Hello friend, I am Maria, and welcome to the Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. This show is about spirituality, higher realms, the mysteries of the universe, and source consciousness. I use hypnosis to get into a deep theta state where I am able to connect to and embody my higher self. This particular episode is from a series we call Conversations with the Collective. In this series, I'm accessing the depth and breadth of the collective human consciousness on planet Earth. What unfolds is a monologue that is dictated by the questions and comments that I receive back from the collective. Enjoy! Hello everyone, this is Maria, and uh, welcome to another recording of Conversations with the Collective. I want to try something new today. I want to try something drastically different from what we have been doing so far. So since I have access to the full collective consciousness of planet Earth, I figured we will try to do a spiritual Q&A. We will try to talk to you as if you were all in the same room with me instead of being separated from me by time-space reality. Because essentially from the perspective that I hold right now, there is not much of a difference. Um, I can feel each of you here with me in this room as if you actually were here in person. So it's not that different. I think that for the Q&A session today, what I'd like to do is I want to talk about human relationships, right? Why don't we talk? Why don't we tackle that as the sector of reality that we'll dive deep in? You know, obviously on this planet, a lot of you, all of you essentially have come to master relationship and relationships in one form or the other. And relationships is one of the things that is constantly on your mind. Things going right, things going wrong, things going sideways, things appearing out of nowhere. So this is not something that you have solved for individually or collectively for that matter. And there's definitely all of these questions. There are all of these question marks around relationships. So today what I want to do is I want to give you a chance to ask me questions. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this recording, you are not going to hear a question being asked. However, what I will do is I will repeat that question out loud or explain what is being asked of me so that you know what I'm responding to. Now, I want to also set some ground rules for the collective that is going to be interacting with me because obviously the collective is comprised of individual cells. So each and every single one of you um, could get to participate. However, I really want you to step forward today if you believe that you are representing a big chunk within the collective, like a big stream or a big streak. That way I could address issues for as many people as possible instead of addressing something that is very specific or a big outlier in terms of a concern. Before we dive into the Q&A, just really quickly what I want to do is I want to scan the state of relationships you know, kind of like do a quick diagnostic of what I'm seeing um, at the collective. You know, what kinds of relationships you're grappling with, you're struggling with at the moment. And I could kind of see what's coming up for the collective right now. I mean, we are um, in a particular moment in time, right? 
So let me see. Um, a lot of you have been dealing lately with your relationships with your coworkers. So that's coming up very loud and clear. There's actually a lot of change happening right now. A lot of you are redefining what it means for you to be happy at work. So a lot of work relationships are coming through. Um, a lot of you are sensing that there is that coworker that you were able to get along with and all of a sudden you feel like enough's enough. So some of you might be feeling that right now and that is completely normal. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of, you know, I would call it the search for balance. However, the one way that you, you find balance is by getting through the disbalance, right? So a lot of you might actually feel like the blanket has been pulled from under your feet and you're like, well, I thought I could tolerate this, but oh my God, this is just too much, right? So a lot of you are going through that in your work relationships. And by the way, this is, a lot of that is with peers. Like a lot of that is not with even like with your boss or um, your direct report or anything. This is like literally your, like the coworkers that are with you on the same level. So we can think of it as kind of like, you know, brotherly, sisterly type of quarrel. So it's not like fighting with a mom or a dad. It's not like fighting with a, um, I don't know, a son or a daughter, like in terms of the hierarchy, but it's like fighting with people on the same level. And it's almost like, um, part of it is, I think that, you know, a lot of you are trying to find your own sense of balance, you know, within this crazy world. And hey, it's not always simple. It's not always easy. Right? So for a lot of your work relationships are coming front and center. You're redefining what you stand for, you know, how you want to feel at work on a day-to-day -day basis. And you also are starting to redefine your, you're starting to work on boundaries, which is actually a good thing. Now, of course, I'm sure there's a bunch of questions that you would have about, or around boundaries, what, what represents a healthy boundary. You know, what are the things that I say no and yes to at work? Um, you know, how, how hard should I be working in the first place? Like what's healthy for me, et cetera, et cetera. So that is one type of relationship that's coming uh, front and center in the collective. Another type of relationship that I'm coming, uh, that I'm coming, that I'm sensing right now is actually a lot of you are starting or are back into the dating market. Um, I know post COVID. So what I am sensing right now is that, that that first three weeks of relationships, like romantic relationships, is something that is being front and center in people's minds. You know, does he or she like me? You know, how do I uh, make the best first impression? Um, you know, uh, how do I read the signs? What do I say? What, what, what I don't say? All, all kinds of stuff like that is also coming through and coming up for you collectively. Um, Another relationship um, that I'm seeing is parent-child relationship. So there's some struggle that's coming up around how you're raising your children, right? So it sounds like you have been reassessing, reevaluating what it means to be a good parent. And in fact, for a lot of you, you've, you've hit a little bit of a roadblock. Um, at this point, you're not entirely sure if, if, if your way is the right way. So I'm seeing, sensing a lot of that come through the collective. So I actually don't, don't want to get too deeply into, like, I don't want to go back into the scanning mode, right? I think that at this point, why don't we keep this broad? So um, at this point, I would just ask the collective uh, to come forward with a question that you have, and, you know, I'll connect to that question, and then I will be able to 
provide the answer. So, you know, essentially, if you have a good question, just raise your hand and I will respond to that. Okay. I did not expect this, but hey, you guys went there. So the question is from a female. And the question is as follows. Um, she's feeling a lot of guilt as it relates to her mother because her mother has expectations of her. Now, this female is somewhere in her 30s, which is essentially, it doesn't really matter, but you know, the specific age, but I just want you to understand the struggle, right, in the question. So she's asking, um, basically her mother is, has expectations of her daughter, which in this case, the, the, the person who's asking the question is the daughter. Um, and she's experiencing a lot of guilt and this guilt is induced by her mother. And what is happening is the mother actually is blaming her daughter for not taking good care of her and for being selfish and um, you know, basically choosing her own path instead of you know, staying with the mother, living with the mother, taking care of the mother. Now, just so you guys have context, in this particular case, the mother is not necessarily disabled. The mother is not necessarily that old. The mother is in her 50s, so her like mid to late 50s. Um, so the mother is able, it's just, you know, the, 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 the experience that the daughter has is, well, do I follow what my mom tells me to do? essentially, or do I choose my own path? And how do I reconcile the two? Because, and here's the trap, right? And she's not the only one dealing with this, by the way. But you all have a complex of being a good person. And the reason I call it a complex is, you know, you all have this drive of like needing to be good, no matter what the cost is. And that is a big problem, you guys, right? Like this goes above and beyond just like mother and daughter relationship or parent-child relationship in the first place. You have this inherent desire to be good and perceive yourself as good. And that is why what this person is going through is, 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 is quite complex. Because on the one hand, she, so essentially she's torn between two things. The concept of being good, i.e. doing what her mother wants her to do, as in give up herself and start living according to what her mother wants and essentially putting her own incarnation towards making her mother happy, which in, in this particular case is perceived as being a good daughter or a good person. And then the, there is a second path, which is what this person actually wants to do, right? This person actually really wants to actively pursue her career. And in this case, that the two don't go well together, right? Like the two simultaneously cannot happen. This person is essentially gonna have to make a choice. And the reason I can sympathize with this is because it's actually a really, really big conundrum to try to understand, like, do, do, do I essentially choose me or do I choose somebody else? And in, in, in essence, what is the definition of love, right? And that is where we're going to get really deep into some of the Jesus teachings. And, you know, generally I'm a big fan of Jesus, uh, but, but... There's been a lot of dogma around his teachings in the first place. And I think that if we are to unravel what you're feeling in the collective level and why the hell you're feeling so much guilt and at the same time, the guilt around like not being able to show up 
to your family in a way that your family needs you to show up, right? So it's kind of like you're blaming yourself and yet you still cannot bring yourself to do the thing they want you to do. Now, by the way, the right answer, not that there is ever the right answer, but the right answer is not to try to become good at whatever expense to your own soul, spirit, consciousness, life, sanity. That is not the correct answer. But one of the teachings of Jesus, and essentially we do remember um, that Jesus was all about love consciousness. Um, they also say that it's all about Christ consciousness or unity consciousness, but essentially there are many ways to get to unity consciousness. And the path of Jesus was the path of love. Um, and it's like, bear with me, it's a little bit of a long-winded way to, um, to, to explain what's happening here, but I do want you to see the full picture because I think humanity very often is not able to zoom out and see things in perspective. And so we're going very deep and very far at the same time. So one of the teachings of Jesus that is really one of those things that is more dogmatic, that is not essentially what he said was, uh, basically if, you know, if you get hit on one cheek, you know, turn, turn, you know, basically turn around and like, offer the other cheek. Um, I don't really remember how, uh, you know, it's said in the Bible, but that that's beside the point. And the whole point of this is self-sacrifice, right? So what is being lauded through this example of Jesus is that essentially you have to be self-sacrificial, right? And I will tell you, I will tell you that A, Jesus never said that, by the way. B, sacrifice is not the only way to get love. And self-sacrifice is not the only way to be a good person. And you guys have that deeply, deeply ingrained in your psyche. This is something that you were born in, right? The teachings of Jesus are 2,000 years old. Roughly a generation is, what, 30 years? So that is many generations. To get that conditioning deeply, it takes three generations to get a completely novel thought to become a part of your DNA structure. So at about... 100 BC, sorry, not BC, um, AD, you got to a point where the teachings of Jesus, at least in the Western world, were fairly ingrained in you at the DNA level. And I'm specifically talking to, like, um, you know, obviously, the, I guess at the time, the folks that uh, lived around uh, where Jesus was born. But of course, you know, all of these people then migrated and essentially right now the US for instance has the same exact consciousness but regardless so what I want you to understand is that it is ingrained in you at a DNA level that concept of self-sacrifice and that's why you know even the archetype of Jesus is actually the archetype of a martyr so he is the the lamb essentially that was a sacrificial lamb that sacrificed himself so that the, re the rest of humanity's sins could be cleansed. And I just want you to get something really, really clear. If this is the epitome, if, if this is the archetype that is being presented to you as the archetype of God, right? Because they say Jesus is the son of God. So the closest thing you can do, the closest place where you can get to godliness is by resembling Jesus. What essentially is being put in front of you, make no mistake, is an archetype of a martyr. So what the church is would love to have you believe is that by being a martyr, you essentially are earning a place in heaven or there is some type of redemption for you. There is basically bliss, right? So you are being led 
towards the path of self-sacrifice, right? Do you see what's happening? Like that is being presented as the ultimate truth to you. Do you guys also know why this happened? Do you know why some of the teachings of Jesus, uh, and by the way, the Bible, like in terms of the te teachings of Jesus, that is a very loosey-goosey like interpretation of what he even said. In fact, if Jesus read what you guys are reading as his word right now in the Bible, he would, he would probably just like burn the whole thing. Seriously, I mean it. So one thing I need you to understand is in a world, right? And we have just, we're just basically walking out of the age of the Pisces, which was the age of religion, organized religion, right? So they took essentially the concept of spirituality and connecting to source consciousness or God, or however you want to call that, and turn that into a dogmatic pastime that I would call religion. Dogmatic meaning there is right or wrong, black and white, don't do X, do Y, and even prayer is a formula. Everything is a template, right? That, that is the place that we've gotten. There is always, when something like that is created, especially when it is created as an organized thing, which religion, by the way, is an organization. It is an organized phenomenon of society that a lot of different people work towards. You have to ask yourself the question of why was it created in the first place? And the answer is control. There is no other reason for religion to exist. Now, I think we should separate church and state from here. It doesn't mean that Jesus stood for control. It means that his knowledge, his wisdom, his frequency of love upon his death was used as a cornerstone, as a pillar to build upon or upon which the concept of religion was built. And religion is essentially a control mechanism. So that is how you have a society that is controlling or that is being controlled rather, should I say humanity, that is being controlled by this concept and by this archetype of a martyr. And essentially what it says is, if Jesus suffered, so should you. And if you get hit on one hand, uh, sorry, cheek, turn the other. As in, you shouldn't complain. Like, oh, you think you have it bad? Some had it worse, right? So it's all about, well, no, actually, stop complaining. No, there is not a better world out there. So it's, it's that concept of essentially slave consciousness. I don't know how else to put it, right? So the fact that you are dealing with, and, and now, by the way, actually, let, let me take it uh, a notch down, right? Because you remember that right now, I'm still answering the question of this woman, essentially, of how do I not feel guilty about pursuing my own path? instead of sacrificing myself, putting myself, uh, you know, making myself a sacrificial lamb for my mother's benefit. And the reason that it comes full circle is because what she's experiencing individually is what you are experiencing collectively. And what you're experiencing collectively is the fact that humanity as a whole is not experiencing freedom and because there are structures around it and religion is just one structure. The government is another, by the way. Um, the pharma industry is yet another structure. All of these different structures of control where essentially you're not in charge. 
So if you're the ones being controlled, there is somebody that's doing the controlling, right? Somebody else that's pulling the strings. So if you're having large entities like the church, for instance, the Catholic church or um, the government, right? Doing so at the macro level, then essentially you're going to have microcosms of that same scenario happen in your own life. So the only reason that she's experiencing this guilt trap, and by the way, you, like think about you, because if you are resonating with this content, and by the way, you would not be listening to this episode unless there was something within your life that needed the same way, shape, or form of healing. What you should be asking yourself right now is what are the things that you're feeling guilty about doing or not doing? Because there's somewhere in there that there is a power trap. And essentially, this woman is feeling guilty because in this particular instance, she's refusing to be a slave to the will of her mother, right? Her mother says, hey, I'm setting the rules just because I said so. I want you to do X, Y, and Z for me because it'll make me feel happy, right? The woman goes and says, no, mother, it's my life. I want to be happy. So essentially, essentially, she is not or she's refusing to become a subordinate slave in this particular instance. And yet she feels guilty. Now, the reason she feels guilty is because she doesn't fully understand the big why behind this dynamic. And it is really, really important to understand that anytime you're experiencing guilt about following your own heart, you are in a power trap. And there's somebody else that's trying to exert power over you when they actually have no right to do that. Because, right, and, and it's, it's really interesting, but let's, let's dive deeper here. Let's look at this from the perspective of the mother, right? Because the mother probably has all kinds of reasons of why her daughter should be taking care of the mother, being taken care of her instead of pursuing her own path. I will tell you more. I will tell you more. There is something about the dichotomy of that relationship where the daughter has put herself in a subordinate position to her mother. Because in this time-space reality, you only attract mirrors into your life. Like somebody that does not resonate with you is not going to be able to come through into your life. And that is the big reveal. And that is the big aha moment. The big aha moment is if you are feeling a victim or let, let me rewind that. If somebody is acting towards you as if you owe them something, it is because deep down inside, somehow you believe that you owe them that. In other words, you have put yourself in a position of a victim. You have put yourself in a, in a position of a slave. And now that you're trying to claim your power back, you feel guilty because... Deep down inside, you believe that you're a slave and what a good slave should do is do like their mother tells them to. Because if that was not where you put yourself in, if you did not put yourself as inferior to the other person, you would have never felt guilty. Because you would have said, you know what? It is my God-given right to be free. And I came here to do what I came here to do, mom. And I, I bet you it's not to make you happy. Because by definition, children never come to make their parents happy. 
children do not belong to their parents. That is a big fallacy. If you're having children because you think that they're going to belong to you, don't have children. Ser seriously, don't. Because they, don't, they are their own beings. And in fact, they came here to teach you, not the other way around. So why don't we get that straight? Do you see what I mean, though? So if the mother, for a second, like, do you see how this is essentially the slave and the slave-master relationship that these two women are having? Where mother perceives that she's a slave owner, and because she's a slave owner, she gets to tell her daughter exactly what to do, including to give up her dreams, not pursue what she came here to pursue, so that the mother can be happy. Do you see how this is not a very loving way of treating your child? Not a very loving way. Not a very humane way. Not a very fair way. Right? Now, we can take it a step further, right? But there, it's probably a karmic relationship between the two of them, right? And, you know, there are many reasons why this relationship could have transpired. But why don't we start winding up? Because I know we have other questions. One thing I will tell you is to stop feeling guilt. You have to claim your power back. And the power that you have to claim back is the power to make your own choices. I will give you a really, really quick meditation, a really quick exercise if you're feeling guilt. I will explain on the energetic level what it looks like. When you're feeling guilt about pursuing your own path, where somebody next to you, whether your mother, your husband, your child, freaking your teacher, your mentor, whomever that person is, right next to you, is saying, no, you cannot do that because I said so and because I need you to do this X, Y, and Z thing for me, right? So every time you feel that, and then especially if you start feeling guilty, if you're getting into that power trap and you're losing, it's because you haven't claimed your own power to make choices. You truly haven't. Despite the fact that in that moment in time, you might be doing what you want to do, you still haven't taken your power back. So and on an energetic level, what you need to get clarity is what you look like is there is a hole inside of your chest energetically. And that hole is empty. It's empty. It's like literally there is nothing. I can put my hand through it. There is, there is nothing in there. Like your power is not there. You're missing a part of you. That part of you, by the way, exists within your vicinity. So it's generally about um, two, three feet away from you. There is this golden sphere uh, that represents your personal power to make a choice that is in your best, your own best interest. Not God's best interest, not Jesus Christ's best interest, not your mother's best interest, not Barack Obama's best interest, in your personal best interest. So what you want to do is you want to take that sphere of light and place it back in your chest. Take it, stretch out the hand, place that power back into your chest and hold it there with both of your hands. Hold it there. Allow it to integrate. It needs to be sealed back into your being, into your energetic core, right? So you want to put it back. And then what you want to imagine is that sphere actually is going to almost like grow into the rest of your body. Like it's, it's almost like, you know, there was a wound and now the wound is starting to close down and like new skin is, is um, growing around it and, you know, it's, um, you know new cells are... Uh, about being developed so like it needs to be a, an integral part of you right so when i say you give up your power literally what it looks like on an energetic level is you guys don't have the power the power is hanging out somewhere in your auric field but it's not inside of your body 
And that is just not right. That is just not right. Because the moment you claim that power and the moment you do this integration exercise, you know what disappears? Guilt. Because you know what you have now? The power to make a choice. The power to make a choice. Thank you. That was a great question. However, thank you for being the first one to step out. I actually think this was a really, really good one. All right, so uh, I'm ready for the next question. Anything that has to do with the relationships, anything you're struggling with that is also going to be helpful for others to learn from today. I am ready to hear you out. Come forward right now. Okay. Okay. This is another one that came through. This time it's um it's a man. It's a relation between a boy essentially and a father. And the boy Actually, can you uh, can you actually state the question? Um I I get the context, but what is the question? Okay. Great. Thank you. So, essentially, the question is um, the, the, the problem that is being voiced is the frequency of shame, right? And essentially, the boy is ashamed of, of who he is, right? Ashamed. Uh, and the reason he is ashamed is because that does not fit into the definition of what it means to, to be a man, maybe, by, from the perspective of his dad. So essentially we have a, a father-son relationship and the father is quite forceful and the son is feeling like he is m constantly missing the mark. So what the question that is coming through is, Maria, how can I stop feeling ashamed of what I am? That is the question. If I can make an observation, right? And by the way, like, let, let me bring it, like, maybe let me take it a little bit a step back. Because what you should be thinking as you're listening to this is, how am I making myself small to conform to some ideal or some template that another is expecting of me? And very often that does have to do with one of our parents and maybe you have a father or a mother that is expecting you to be a certain way, right? Uh, but you know you're not that, right? Um, how are you making yourself small? And I'll explain why I'm posing a question that way. Because on the energetic level, this boy that is asking the question comes across as a six or seven year old. In actuality, he's a grown man. He's in his 40s. In actuality. But when he's asking the question about shame, I am perceiving him as a six-year-old that is carrying the weight of the expectation of one of his parents, specifically his father in this case. And it is making him, a 40-year-old, feel like a six-year-old because he's just missing the mark. And he wants to stop feeling shame, but at this point, he cannot even grow up. Why do I say, why are you making yourself small? 
let's say your father wanted you to be a businessman and you are essentially an um let's say you are i don't know let's say you like driving cars maybe you are a driver you know and you're not a businessman and you have been making your skill set and your love of driving cars small because that is not the definition that your dad has of a respectable career or maybe your dad does not believe that it pays much so essentially you have been dimming your own light all this time just to be to be able to fit into some semblance of what your father thinks is a is a good career here a couple of problems with that so when when you don't feel free when you don't feel liberated to walk your own path because somebody else's opinion is more important than your own you are essentially imprisoned you become imprisoned in the age that that expectation of you is voiced so the reason this little boy is talking to me as if he was 6 years old is because something happened when he was 6 with his father in particular where his father voiced to this boy his expectations and at that moment in time the boy realized that that's just not him he knew then that maybe being a business person was not what was not what he wanted to do and maybe at the time his dad also you know said that he would be disappointed or something if that didn't happen so what this boy what happened for this boy energetically right is he became trapped because as a child you know your parents are essentially a whole universe and i would not be over generalizing right now if i said that about 70% of the trauma that you got in this life right because by the way you have all the trauma that you got in all the other lives about 70% of the trauma that you have in your current life right now happened to you before the age of 12 believe it or not before the age of 12 you gathered all kinds of stuff that you're unaware of so what ended up happening for this boy is he got trapped as a little boy in a cage called i need you to be a businessman no matter what you freaking do because this boy you know his dad was half of his world because the other half was his mom right he this trap trap i would call the love trap or the approval trap he needed his father's approval so much that he voluntarily caged himself in order to get that approval and so essentially he never grew he didn't allow himself to grow up so what still what feels shame inside of the body of this 40 year old man is this little boy that you know essentially essentially did not become a businessman because this guy that we're talking about ended up actually following his own path but he feels shame he feels shame let's talk about shame 
That is a very, very interesting vibe. That is a very interesting emotion. A lot of you carry a lot of shame. A lot of the shame that you carry in your body is in your lower abdominal area. So enough of you that carry shame are going to have digestion issues. Enough of you that carry shame are going to have um, issues with... Um, uh your kidneys that is also one of the organs that gets really really impacted and then the intestines which is essentially the same thing as, as having digestion issues so enough of you have that a lot of you carry that shame shame is not is the emotion that you get when you're not able to hit the bar and when you're not able to hit the bar consistently and that becomes the aspect of your identity that becomes the aspect of your identity so this guy that we're talking about became something else, not what his dad wanted. He became a driver because that is what he was always meant to become, by the way. His soul might have come here and it did to become the driver and drive cars for living. And yet, because he knows, by the way, whether consciously or subconsciously, that he is falling short of his father's expectations, he experiences what a six-year-old boy would experience when he gets punished. Because as a child, when you get punished for misbehaving, you actually experience shame. Especially if, um, if, if you know, well, if the folks, like if you're listening um, and, and you've um, experienced like being, um, like not necessarily physically abused, but like, you know, slapped for like misbehaving when you were a child. Um, or like spanked, you know, if you've experienced that, that always comes with a sense of shame for children. So anytime you feel like you are missing the mark for one of your parents or are not behaving in accordance with what your parents want, you are experiencing shame. And I will tell you one other thing. Very often, although not always, you know, there are different ways that you um, experience shame of different reasons, but like a big chunk of this particular vibration is literally a punished child. There are some very other, like very few aspects of shame that are outside of that. Now, the funny part is, in this particular instance, the boy is the victim and the executioner. And that is a very, very important part to get about shame. Because even when his dad dies, this, this guy is going to experience shame. Shame is one of the most persistent emotions because one thing I need you to get, guys, you are the executioner. In this instance, it's not the dad. And by the way, in a lot of cases, when you're experiencing shame, whoever, Whoever is that person whose expectations you're trying to meet already gave up those expectations. They no longer have those expectations of you. And that is the biggest freaking like fallacy of this scenario. Because in most cases, the dad does not even remember that he wanted his son to be the businessman. The dad does not have a conscious memory or even a conscious wish for his 40-year-old son to be a businessman anymore. By the way, the dad might not even have had that when he made it slip when, when his son was six years old. But it is because the son has created the cell for himself. He essentially, the son created this 
epitome, this reality of being caged, of being jailed. But because it is a self-induced jail, it's a solitary confinement cell that the child himself created, he also happens to be the executioner and the, and the prison guard. In this scenario, he is everything. And the one person you cannot escape is yourself. That is the most important part. So all of a sudden, this game stopped being about being getting approval from the dad and started being about getting approval from yourself. Because in this case, you're the guard, you're the executioner, you're the one that's going to chop your own head off, not your father. So what we have to do here is this. You want to return back. If you recognize something in yourself, please do this quick exercise with me. You want to go back to the point in time, even if that was subliminal or subconscious, you want to go back to that moment in time when you created a cage for yourself. And you want to imagine yourself in that cage and you want to imagine your father. Now, whatever the role that your father played, because he might have, or you're, you know, the person that you, you think was the one that created, helped you create this cell in the first place. Whatever was their contribution, give it back to them. As in, whatever statement they threw your way, whatever they told you, whatever their expectations were, you can just give those expectations back to them. The moment you decide to do that, you will notice that like a portion of the energy that is surrounding your cage is going to recede and get back into the like etheric body of that person. In this particular case, you want to give back that energy to the father. And the second thing that you want to do is you want to liberate yourself. You want to open the door of that jail and come out of it because you are your jailer. I want you to take full responsibility for jailing yourself behind the bars of shame. Not your father did that and not somebody else. You did that to yourself. With shame, you are the culprit. I guarantee you, you jailed yourself. You decided that what you did was shameful and you decided that you deserve punishment. And so you keep punishing yourself. Well, enough's enough. You've been punishing yourself this, in this particular case for 34 years. It's enough. So here's what you want to do. You want to open the cage of that, um, uh, the door of that cage. You want to walk out. You want to collapse that cage behind you into nothing. Collapse it. Like blow it up, burn it, do whatever you need to do, disappear. And then you want to allow yourself in the etheric body, because you're still caged as a six-year-old, you want to allow yourself to grow up into your current age, you know, from, from the energetic level. Like you want to actually allow your little boy to finally grow up and stand strong with both of his feet as a grown-up in the choices that you have made. And if you want to take it one last step further, you want to turn around and see your dad. You want to take your dad's hands and tell him, Dad, thank you for allowing me to walk my path that I came here to walk. Thank you for allowing me to drive the cars because that's what makes me happy. And you will see that the dad 
is in complete agreement with you. And in fact, he probably wants to give you a hug. Because he's never been your jailer. He's never been your jailer. All right. I hope that was helpful, right? Again, if you're experiencing shame, you're the culprit. So unjail yourself. The best thing you can do for yourself. Unjail yourself. Right? And it's also really, really important to understand that there is nothing wrong that you did. So stop punishing yourself. Because your life is not the purgatory where you get to pay for your sins. No. The karma is going to work anyway whether you want it or not. So you don't also have to add to the problem. Never. Never become your own executioner. That is not your role. Your role is never to be your own executioner. Because if you wronged society, if you wronged the universe, if you wronged source, if you wronged your family, etc., 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 you're going to get your payback anyhow. You don't also need to add to that. Okay, we have time probably for one more question because I know I'm going like fairly in-depth in this. So pick a good one around relationships. Um, and, you know, again, just a quick reminder, the, the question that's going to be most helpful to the folks here. And let's, let's hear it. Okay. Well, this one is actually um, the question of a broken heart. Um, heartbreak is what we're talking about today. Do you guys love it? Um, the question that I'm getting and the emotion that I'm getting is actually massive sadness around heartbreak. Specifically, who came through is a girl. Uh, a female is asking. She is in her 20s. Although essentially that emotion is true literally any age you are. Like you could experience that as a 14-year-old and you could probably experience that as a 94-year-old. So it doesn't really matter. But there is that deep sense of sadness and the deep sense of I am not enough because the person that I love doesn't love me back or the person that I love left me. In this particular case, this is a broken heart. The girl had a little bit of a relationship with a person that she thought was the love of her life. And it ultimately ended up not pinning out. And specifically, if you want to hear about this particular case, what ended up happening was she tried to please him a lot. She really went outside of her comfort zone. And it was, you know, one of those literally like <laughs> encyclopedic examples of where she really did everything that she possibly could. You know, she'd make him food, she'd clean up, she'd do his laundry. By the way, they were not even married, you know, and, and she was like a side chick, weirdly. I don't know how you like end up doing all of that and being a side chick. That is like, like a whole other, I think, question altogether, right? But the, the question and the motion, by, by the way, like, can I hear the actual question? Okay, the question is, what's wrong with me? Is the question that this woman is asking. It's like, what's wrong with me that... I did everything right by the book, you know? I was being the most perfect girl. She's like, I never, you know, I never 
fought with him. I never like said a cross word to him. I never, you know, I was like all for him. She was like, I literally dissolved in, in him. So what was wrong with me? And what was wrong with you, darling, is there was no you in the relationship. So what was wrong with you is there was no you. And that is important to understand. I don't know who was having a relationship with that guy because it wasn't you. It was some very modeled down, muted, diluted version of you that you picked up in some book, book I don't know where, or in just some other template. That, yeah, like literally, I'm not seeing you in a relationship. Okay, just so you guys know, and maybe you don't know, but I'm going to have to explain. So when the two people are in a relationship, um, it's kind of like, imagine two lap tubes. I know it's like a very twisted example, but each of you are bringing yourself to a relationship. So the lap tube, right, is essentially, or I could have picked any other vessel, but essentially you're this glass vessel that is filled with energy, is what you are. Now, you might have different kinds of energy inside of you, right? You might have different color, different frequency, a lot, not a lot, somewhere in the middle, yada, yada. So when the two people are in a relationship, each of them are bringing a vessel with themselves, right? They're bringing a vessel. So the girl brings a vessel, the guy brings a vessel. Or I don't know, if you're two men in a relationship, two men bring a vessel. It doesn't really matter, right? But, like, stay with me. When you are acting as a people pleaser, or in this particular instance, the woman was so in love with this other guy with a guy that she said hey it's all about you in this relationship i am okay giving me up to please you so at the energetic level what happened in this relationship and by the way in any other self-sacrificial relationship and do you guys see how everything that we're talking about is in some form shape or way a self-sacrifice sacrificing a part of yourself to try to make another happy. All of these three, by the way, all of the three instances are all driven by this same example of martyrdom. She is a martyr in this case, a self-inflicted, self-induced martyr. Very common archetype. Women act in relationships like that all the time. Do you know what happens at the energetic level? I don't think you do. Let me enlighten you what happens at the energetic level. She takes her energy literally pours it out of her glass vessel and puts an empty cup on the table. That's what happens. Because, and the reason she did that is because if it's all about him in the relationship, then it's all about his wants, his desires, his problems, his joys. You get the point. It's all about his energy, right? Because she wants to cater to his energy, she doesn't want her energy to be in the way because God forbid if her energy is in the way, then how can she cater to him, right? Because, oh my God, what if she needs to go have a manicure, a pedicure, a freaking facial, and a job or whatever, right? Like, Or have a girl's night out. Like that does not leave room for him. What if he needs a freaking massage when she is getting a pedicure? She cannot cater to him, right? Or so she thinks. So she becomes an empty vessel because from the position of an empty vessel, arguably, you don't have your own needs. You don't have your own wants. You become codependent from that person. And she believes that that puts her in a perfect position and makes her a perfect partner. Wrong. 
worst possible partner a guy can have is a girl with an empty vessel. Worst possible partner. You know why? Freaking wake up call women. He is here for your energy in your relationship. You are the donor. A woman is a donor to a man. The woman in a couple is a donor to her man. Not the other way around. He is the structure and the support. And she is the donor. He is the one that's going to take her resource and multiply it. He is the grower, but she is the resource. She is the well. That is why very often, like the people who are exceptionally rich, they're also married. Like if the men are rich, they're also married. Because they are tapping into the woman's resource of abundance. The woman in the couple is the source of abundance. The woman in the couple is the source of everything they're going to grow together. She is the one that jump starts the energetic exchange in the couple. Let's look at this woman. She just emptied her vessel because she wanted to comply and be a martyr and give everything to this guy. So she cooked for him and freaking did his laundry. And the one number one most important thing that he needed from her, she couldn't give him, which was her energy. She gave it up. So he was like, by the way, I can tell you how the story plays out from the guy's perspective. He was probably looking at her. And by the way, initially, probably when they met, she still had her resource because she wasn't that in love with him. So he was probably enamored by her energy or by her, like whatever she had that he saw in her. All of a sudden, they are in a relationship and he's like, at face value, she's goddamn perfect. Cooking for me, freaking doesn't ever say a cross word, like whatever I want, she's always there, she's the nicest thing, like, you know, perfect marriage material. And I am unhappy AF, is what the guy's thinking. Because what he's not getting from her is her in a relationship. Because by giving up who she was, what she wanted outside of him, what made her happy outside of him. She cut herself out from her own personal resource, from her personal abundance, from her frequency. And you cannot build a couple, a successful couple, a happy couple, if the girl's resource is depleted or cut off, especially by her, especially knowingly. That is why the guy in this case will always leave you. Always. He is going to go to a girl with a resource. Because he's not stupid. He's not stupid. He knows subconsciously how energy is supposed to work. He knows he's not the well. If you're not the well, he has no choice, you ladies. He's going to go look for the well. So the answer to the question of what's wrong with me is where is your freaking abundance and why did you cut it off? Never, never, never in a billion years do that to yourself. Your resource as a woman, or as a man, doesn't really matter. Your resource is the number one most precious thing that you have. Time is second. So by giving up your energy, you're not getting any favors from the universe, any favors from the people around you. And by the way, you're going to be miserable. Miserable, miserable, miserable. Just like this girl. So no, there is nothing wrong with you. Other than you decided to play martyr and you thought that the way to please the guy was to give up everything that made you, you. So for you, what I would have you do is refill, replenish your resource.
So imagine that you're the well. Imagine that you're this lap tube, this glass vessel. Take all of the energy of you back. Fill yourself up. There's a lot of that. Connect to your higher self. Like imagine that in front of you, there is a ball of energy that represents your higher aspects, your soul. And imagine that from that soul, there is a torrent, like a waterfall, that is dripping, that is going down into the lap tube or the glass vessel that you are, or the well that you are, and it's filling you up with the energy that is you. Ladies, if you think you don't have anything to offer to the man, just for a quick second, realize that this is probably your incarnation number three million. So even if you don't remember any assets, I guarantee you have some assets because you've been doing something for three million lives. Promise. Promise. So there's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to you than what you know. So under no circumstances, give that resource away. No man is going to be worth it. And by the way, he's not going to appreciate that. Not going to appreciate that. Claim your resource back. As a woman, get good at filling your cup first. Listen to yourself. Listen to what makes you happy. Pick the damn dinner spot. Don't let him pick the dinner spot if you don't think he picks good restaurants. Because whatever fills your cup, fills the cup of your couple. Because you are the source of abundance. And if your husband does not make enough money, if your husband... Um, I don't know, works crazy hours and still is not able to provide for you. Look within. Because he might at face value be the breadwinner of the family, but you are the one who is responsible for abundance. So stop putting that responsibility on the man's shoulders because that is not where it belongs. Claim your power. Claim your responsibility. And stop pretending like the world owes you something because the world does not. And your man owes you absolutely freaking nothing. You have to step up to the occasion and play your energetic part in the couple. It doesn't mean that you have to get a job. It doesn't mean that you have to make as much money as your guy. It just means that you have to get your energy right. That is your duty as a woman in the couple. Get your energy straight. I will say something else because what is coming through the collective is what happens if I if we're a gay couple. If you're a gay couple, your resource for abundance is both of your mothers, your mom and his mom. So what you want to tap into is the abundance resource of your mothers because it's always through a woman. So if you're not in a relationship with a woman, then the next woman up would essentially be your mother. I hope that answers your question. Well, thank you so much. This was our very, very first Q&A. I personally enjoyed it. I feel like I'm spending actual really quality time with each of you guys. I hope you feel the same. I hope this was helpful. I personally love the topic of relationships. I also feel like we can talk about it for another 10,000 episodes. So I think we'll do more Q&As later. And, you know, stay strong. I believe in you. You got this. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations with My Higher Self podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a suggestion for a topic we should explore in the future, please email us at hello at conversationswithmyhigherself.co. 
If you resonate with our message, please consider leaving us a review or sharing this episode with your friends. The world is going to be better off for it. With much love, Maria and Sergey.